Hello, and thank you very much for tuning into this week's episode of Huddles and Stout, Season 2, Episode 9, as we look ahead to Week 5 of America's Favourite Pastime. Delighted to be joined, as always, by Rocky. How are you, my fine All son? good, pal, all good. Uh, and how are you? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm all good. Uh, A quarter of the way through the season complain. already? A quarter mm. of the way through the regular season, nearly. Scary. Yep. Scary, scary, scary. Yes, sir. Um, it is indeed. Um, look, the the schedule, as always, is quick run through around the ground for tackle and a quick preview for the week ahead. But before I give you my stat this week of a quick one, I just want to flag that next week, Oh yes, it was the first of the bye weekends for multiple franchises across the league, and as a result, and in honour of this, Huddles and Stout will be taking a bye week themselves. Purely out of respect. So, yeah, um, Goodell was on to us, and he said, "Look, you can't be going the whole season and not taking a bye week." And we were like, "Okay, you twist it around." Take one nah, some some real life arrangements happening. Look, amateur podcast podcasters. Um, are entitled to a life too. Uh, but yeah, look, I'll kick you off with a stat designed at kicking a long-term listener, <laughs> Keith, um, in the gonads. Uh, I, he's probably not listening anymore, and to be honest with you, if he isn't, I'd probably have some respect for him. I think we have very... Queen Elizabeth... Sorry, finish your stat. ...has only missed three Bears victories. There we go. I think our listenership from the Chicago area has uh, <laughs> has plummeted over the last month or two. The Midlands-based Chicago <laughs> yes. uh, fans have <laughs> revolted. Um, but yeah, look, I'll quickly run through the week four scores. Uh, so Lions feed the Packers Thursday night, 34-20. Jags in the first London game this year overcame the Falcons 23-7. Arguably one of the picks of the round, the Bills overcame the Dolphins 48 points to 20. We will discuss that later in the show. Vikings claimed their first victory this season, 21-13 over the Panthers. The luckless Bears uh, put up a complete three-quarter performance, but unfortunately it's a four-quarter game. And they fell to the Broncos 31 points to 28. The Ravens, in a, not a bit of a shock maybe for the result, but in terms of the score, defeated the Browns 28-3 in an absolute shock. Maybe less so. The Texans defeated the Steelers 30 points to 6. Rams overcame the Colts in overtime 29 points to 23. The Bucks overcame the Saints 26 points to 9. Again, another overtime result. The Eagles overcame the Commanders 34 points to 31. Never in doubt that game. The sure. Titans defeated the Bengals 27 points to 3. The Raiders fell to the Chargers 24 points to 17. Cowboys put a beat down on the Patriots, 38 points to 3. As expected, the Niners overcame the Cardinals, 35 points to 16. The Chiefs overcame the Jets, 23-20. And just last night, the Seahawks pretty much put the Giants to the sword, 24 points to 3. I think that one finished up. But without much further ado, it is fourth and goal. And Rocky, it's yourself to debutize this week. Just, just very quickly before we do move on to our our favorite segment, fourth and goal. Um, did you watch the the London game and that Toy Story? Uh, I stream didn't see the game. I've seen clips of the Toy Story footage. I, I believe it or not, participate in a sport myself. Um, not great iron, but I was involved in the game on Sunday, so I missed the London kickoff. But I think i'll try and i think i'll try and catch this this week's game yeah fair enough i i didn't watch all of it myself i was working this weekend but uh i thought it was good it looked good um kind of sort of a middle ground between being really good for kids and actually looking like a like a v or football game but not so far Mm. removed from football that it wasn't football i thought it looked i thought it looked good i always enjoy kind of like at least organizations willing to try new concepts to try and draw new fans yeah in. absolutely and um, like the, the Nickelodeon game as well um, absolutely as well yeah further builds on that um, 
Yeah, I think it's it's a good look for the NFL trying to draw new fans in. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so we'll move on to our mainstay here. Fourth and goal, and I'll kick us off. <clears throat> I did a bit of prep this week, but very little for my first point. Only one division doesn't have a team in front. Let us now have a brief discussion on the state of the AFC South where we hold each of the teams in our own sort of mind rankings and where we think they might, well, what their trajectory is. Let's start with the Texans and what looks like the pick of the rookie quarterback litter. Absolutely. Um, now, I listened to a rival podcast um, last night around the NFL oh. and... They brought up a, they brought up something that I do remember around draft time was like he was listed as the most ready to start now quarterback in the draft and he's he's proven that I think he probably doesn't have the ceiling of another quarterback in the division but I think right now he's better than Richardson um and I but I think it's a combination of nailing the draft choice and D'Amico Ryan's we touched on that a few times. He's building that culture. And I think they're in a good place, the Texans. Haven't been in the mire for the last number of years. They had a brief window when Deshaun Watson wasn't a pervert. And now they're, they kind of seem to be build, coming back out of it, which is good to see because you don't want to see any organization struggling for too long. Um, but yeah, I'm happy. If I'm a Houston Texans fan, I'm, I'm quite happy with where we're going right yeah. now based on preseason expectations. Absolutely. I mean, like, Bryce Young was always sort of the, the number one quarterback of the, you know, the the projected first-round quarterbacks. But he's... he CJ has certainly played him. Um, and, and you can't even say that he... that CJ landed in the best roster or the best spot among the, no. the rookie quarterbacks. So it has been no. impressive. We saw... I think uh, through two or three weeks, he was leading the league in in passing yards. Two weeks, I think. I think Kirk mm. Cousins then overtook him, um, and kind of you know the the knocks against him were oh it's all garbage time. But it was good to see a rookie you know still taking advantage that he could put up those numbers in garbage time, and it's actually carried on, and he's been able to mm. to make, uh, or, you know, put up yards against, you know decent teams and actually overcome them and and win um i think and before we will move on um to another team in the division but i think they've every right to to try and compete for the the division title considering some of the yeah. the teams we had higher expectations on haven't done as well um one of which yeah. we'll move on to the jags kind of we came into the year thinking these were the runaway favorites and we've seen their defense not be as good as they finished off last year and Trevor Lawrence um absolutely looking a bit spotty yeah I think that's the, f the fair comment he's kind of almost reverted to type and it, it kind of now at this moment in time seems as if the tail end of last season was the exception um look good on Sunday from what I've seen yes um but yeah I'd have I'd still have my reservations about Trevor, whereas I didn't have those reservations at the end of last season, particularly after the Chargers' victory. Yeah, I think um, there's not uh, much to say about the Jags except that they're they're just underperforming. I think on both sides of the ball, um, you know, their their pass rush is is underperforming. Some of their offensive pieces, Travis Etienne, is sort of, you know, he was he was a first round running back um, two years ago, I think. And he is—he's certainly not living up to the hype of a first-round running back. Um, even if you look at no, he's, and he—he he also was the Clemson running back with Trevor Lawrence. So yeah. it's not as if those guys don't have time and a connection. Absolutely, because he is a receiving previously. running back, and it's just he's not getting the mm. job done. And he's—you know—he's one of the least efficient running backs uh, in goal line situations. So. Yeah, I think there was a sort of a, an issue around Doug Peterson. I know we'll probably go over time on this question, but I think we will recoup some of that on some of my later points. Um, 
a bit of an issue around play calling. I think Doug Peterson sort of reclaimed play calling duties of the OC Press Taylor there. And that's when they started to get a bit more gel in their offense. So we'll see if it really does. Because uh, And obviously, you know, the, the speculation is that Doug Peterson called plays in this last game. And they were able to sort of get going on mm. offense. Now, not you know, stop the world or anything, but, you know, they were able to get the job done. So we'll see how they look like going forward. Um, but yeah, certainly underachieving from last year. Um, quickly, we'll move on to the Colts. Again, overperforming yeah. probably. Um, not over overperforming. Haven't seen if it came to fruition, but Jonathan Taylor was supposed to mm. be training today. Uh, having seemed to have put it to rest and willing to activate off the PUP list. Whether that comes to fruition, I don't know, because it's been a long, drawn-out contract dispute, but I think now there's an opportunity for him to really put himself in the shop window, um, and they could ge- legitimately, all things going well, could win the AFC South. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't... It's, it's anyone's game. Absolutely, and I don't even mean um, overachieving, and that all of this is a bit of a mirage. I just mean overperforming relative to the expectations we had at the start of the season. Mm. I fully expected Jonathan Taylor to probably sit out or to be dealt by now because he'd go on IR and he'd come back and he'd, you know, face with the prospect of joining a a bottom-dwelling team, whereas now they have a chance to compete for the division. If he comes back, he could really tip the scales for the Colts mm. um, and then the Titans. A different team at home when they're away. Uh, they've looked obviously very good and really sort of yeah. put the squash on Joe Burrow uh, this past week. Um, Might say more about where the Bengals are right now. Um, it very injured. Probably a bit of both. Injured Joe Burrow. But, but you're right, you're right. Um, yeah. But any, I think... I think... The, sorry, go on. The one thing to flag about the Titans, I would just say is I think... Age is finally, maybe not age, but volume is starting to finally catch up to Derrick Henry. I don't think they can get, he he, win, he he had a good performance on the weekend, but I don't think they can rely on that performance consistently as they've been able to in seasons past. And that could really change the play calling in Tennessee. I th- Yeah, I, I agree. I think we'll see now that they won't continue to write. We've seen in previous seasons where even if they're trailing, they can still rely on Derrick Henry because he was so dominant. I think now we'll see a, a shift towards their use of Ty J, uh, Ty J Spears, um, obviously mm. to limit Derrick Henry's uh, you know role in sort of pointless situations. But I wouldn't be surprised if any of the teams um, won this division. Currently, my money would be on the Texans, man. I think CJ Stroud, Stroud um, looks good. D'Amico Ryans has the defense playing feisty. They just look look good. Mm. And I yeah. I might um, say Colts in second. I, 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 Anthony Richardson scares me with his hits that he takes. Yeah. Uh, longevity with Richardson is, is a big thing. But I think that's a learning curve. Um, if I had to back aside, I'd still probably back the Jags. I think they'll get right. Yeah, um, yeah fair enough. And they could just be a perennial slow start. They yeah, did start no, slow um, to the season yeah, look, last year, so so yeah, not outrageous. It is, it is one of those divisions. This it's 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 a well worth division, especially divisional matchups. It's very hard to predict. I suppose moving on. I suppose it's it's a question. I'm not sure what the answer is myself. Uh, but I suppose was the Bills' victory against the Dolphins a statement victory, or is it one of those? misnomers we associate with kind of games pre turkey day um i think it was a good victory for buffalo i think we saw them lose to the jets and then kind of beat up on on two poor teams in um Mm -hmm. washington and uh i can't remember who they faced in week two um but this was you come to me yep this was a good victory over the league's best offense um you know they they put the pressure on to uh um they they held a team that went you know put up 70 last week admittedly against a bad defense but 70 nonetheless and held them to 20 
It was the Raiders in week two. Yeah. yeah. It was. It certainly was. Um, yeah, so I think it's. Yeah, I, think I think it was a good yeah. win. Statement win. Yeah, look, I think it's an important victory because a lot of people had written off the Bills defence. Yeah. Said, look, it looked good against those sides. It looked good against the league best offence. I think... It, it, I think it, two things can be true at the same time. It can be a statement victory for the Bills, but I still don't think the, the Dolphins are the finished article. Um, so obviously it's a Vic Vangio defense. And as we know from kind of, for past reference, it takes a few weeks for Vic Vangio defense to bed in. They're also going to have uh, Ramsey back kind of midway through the season. I kind of think it kind of showed us that High-powered explosive defense, but when they're shut down, their defense hasn't got to the finished article just yet, so they can't really keep them in a game if the offense is struggling. Not that the offense really struggled, but they didn't have the opportunities they've had in weeks gone by. So I think if this game is played again in week 16, or if it's played in the playoffs, I think it's... Maybe not a widely different outcome, but I think the scores are a lot closer. Yeah, I think Sean McDermott has an excellent record versus Miami. So it's one of those divisional things. I don't think it flips the perception on the Dolphins. I think they should still be regarded as a very good team. Um, But this, I, I think this is a great victory for the Bills. I think this puts them back on top in that division. Um, They've, they've in a single stroke, displayed their defensive prowess as well as their ability to put up points um so i think this was a, a good win for yeah. the buffalo bills and not necessarily a devastating loss for the dolphins yeah which is true i suppose it, i think the thing that will always be in the back of my head is until we get a season where we don't have a josh allen head scratcher of performance and i don't think we've had it yet but I think he still has a bit more to prove, to me anyway, maybe he doesn't have to prove anything to you, but that he doesn't, he's removed those head-scratching performances from his repertoire. That's the thing that will always count in my favour. Like, That's fair enough. He, he will draw Cause it out. We'll, he'll probably have another couple of good weeks and we'll, he'll be back in everybody's top tier and then he'll he'll have another you know, outrageous bizarre game and everybody be like is he up there with the rest but anyway yeah fair enough um the buzzer is literally about to go and i think we're just coming to the end on that one mm. so mm. okay from having a quick look at the afc south in my last point uh flip it on its head and go to the afc north and kind of talk about some of the some of the surprises that has happened in this division um, obviously, the big one is Joe Burrow and his team and his struggles. Another one might be a lot of people were very high on Pittsburgh uh, during the preseason and they've really failed to show up. Um, what do you think? What's what's the wildest thing from this division? Um, I think the wildest thing is I've kind of changed my stance and I'm probably not so sure the Bengals bounce out of the slow start. Um, I think it's it's not an indictment on Joe Burrow, but I think he is not healthy. Um, it's obvious for everyone to see. The Steelers, it's probably what you touched upon in weeks gone by. It is... It, it's offensive play calling. I think is, is probably la- one of the larger issues, um, which I think there's a lot of calls for, for movements to be made uh, before it becomes a Mike Tomlin issue. You know how I feel about Mike Tomlin. I think what's actually probably confused me the most about the division is how unpredictable the Browns are. They'll, they'll put up a performance which is dominant. Um which they'll starve the opposition defensively and, and they'll be competent offensively and then they'll they'll put up a performance akin to what they did against the Ravens. The Ravens, like, don't get me wrong, 
They're tracking well. Marred a brilliant game. Mark Andrews had a brilliant game. But they're not an explosive offense. They're a, they're an offense that wins by a thousand cuts. Put it that way. And the inability for what I was classifying last week is probably the league's best defense to not stop the Ravens on Sunday probably says more about where they're at mentally than where they're at kind of as some of their talents if that makes any sense yeah or if it's just my wild meandering thoughts no no beautiful well put together thoughts and I think we're all the wiser for them Um, I think yeah as you say Steelers I think most of the blame is falling on Matt Canada Kenny Pickett's now injured Uh, Trubisky getting a start so not a great outlook for them um, Burrow signed the season last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Burrow kind of just yeah. Well, we saw him bounce back last week, and uh, yeah, a real a real blow to the confidence of Bengals fans. You know they were Super Bowl favorite, not favorites, but certainly in top the top three for AFC teams, and now they are. Might be lucky to make the playoffs. Um, the Ravens obviously sitting pretty at top of the division, and they've even been operating, you know, without Rashad Bateman and OBJ, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Um, I think they're top three in DVOA. Their defenses, so mm-hmm. things are looking well for the Ravens. And then again, obviously, the Browns very uncharacteristically and off-brand for them is supporting. Uh, the consent of or the the consent of somebody's own bodily autonomy obviously Deshaun Watson was cleared to play um, in the week just gone by but opted not to because he knows his own body and the Browns chose to respect that um, pretty off-brand considering their quarterback won anyway we'll leave it there We'll leave it there before we get shut down on the league of Mar. Um Yeah, look, I suppose following the, the Dolphins' defeat on Sunday, we have just two unbeaten sides left um, in the NFL. And biased as we are, I think we can both acknowledge the Eagles have certain, vulnerable, certain vulnerabilities. But do the 49ers have one? Outside of injury, I was just—I was just I about to say it. they've been injury prone for the last few years, and <laughs> I think that's their biggest weakness because at the moment they're just humming along. Yeah. Um, now they've had yeah. a relatively easy slate to start the season, um, and they'll be playing the Cowboys this coming week. So this really yeah. is for both teams, the Cowboys included. It's really their first big test. Um, so we'll see if Purdy can hold up against a, a good D line and a good secondary. Um, mm. we'll see if secondary line minus digs now though. I'll absolutely, say. yep. Um, but even still, Stefan Gilmore is back there. I know he's thirty odd and he's kind of he's been lit up a few times. But we did see Deron Bland. Um, with a couple of interceptions versus Mac Jones again, um, the Niners and Purdy is are no Mac Jones and Co. Um, but to me, whoever wins this game, you know, nobody can argue. But this, you know, the Cowboys are maybe the the second or best third team in the the NFC. So whoever wins this game is has got bragging rights, I think. Yeah. Um, so I can't think of a vulnerability. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it, it's probably a short point. Um, to be fair, but I am aghast. Um, no, no, probably what's probably an issue is they tend to be in the late slate. So I don't get to see the entirety of their games. Christian McCaffrey is, watch back. is he's unfair to look at. He's having a, an absolutely like 
like there's no question he's going to be all pro this year. Um, unbelievable, man. Yeah. Uh, look, I think we'll leave it there. But I think as things stand, they're fast becoming Super Bowl favorites outright, and I don't know if there's a side that can stop them. Um, I maybe we'll think differently. Absolutely, Sunday, yeah. Um, even even our bias, I don't think when the Eagles play them in Week Thirteen, I think the Forty ers will be favored, and I don't think you could argue with that, given how things currently are. Yeah. Um, yep. even though I think the Eagles are getting a bit of unfair criticism, I do think. Um, I think that's a combination of uh, expectation versus on-field performance, Absolutely. I suppose. But I think, look, Eagles have won. You can't be better than 4 No. After four no. weeks. Uh, I actually thought your so, point before I, I read it or before we discussed it just here, I actually had a bit of pro-Eagles propaganda here. Um, so I won't read it all, but one really good stat, and not to take away from 49ers because, you know, they're obviously they're brilliant, but one good stat. Jalen Carter ranks second among all interior defenders in pressures with 20. 20 pressures. Um, he's second to Aaron Donald, who is 22, but Jalen Carter has played 85 fewer snaps. Is that not just lovely? <sighs> Music to the ears it of is, all Eagles fans. Uh, sorry for, you know, homerizing here to everybody else listening but um i think most nfl fans can appreciate good play regardless of the team and i think um it's just it's nice um obviously cowboys got to enjoy it there um a couple of years ago jets fans last year so it's nice just for for our team to see that it's lovely Fair. All right, we'll move on. Um, yeah, we'll look the positive. Yeah. Um, so, who do you think, in your opinion, deserves the mantle for worst team in the league? Panthers or Bears or somebody else? I think at the start of the year, we could have had Cardinals in this conversation, but I think they have done plenty enough to remove themselves from that conversation. Yeah. Um, I I prepared a bit of a spiel on a couple of different teams Um. But not the Bears. I think if you want to hear us slate the Bears, you can listen to our Ball Bags podcast during the week. Uh, so we'll just keep that short and maybe... Any podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Bears and Panthers are the two zero one four teams. So we'll start with the Panthers. Just pure awful. Like, we're, we're a bit biased as well towards Frank Reich. He did us a nice favour in 2017. But um, big reliance on screen passes and inside runs to Miles Sanders. Screen passes in week four just gone by. 16 of Bryce Young's 32 passes were at or behind the line of scrimmage. That's a bit grisly now. And Miles Sanders is averaging 2.9 yards per carry. It's a very anemic offense. Yeah. Um, But... I don't know if the expectation was too high in Carolina. It's a rookie quarterback. He didn't, for an Alabama quarterback, he didn't attract the head. Like, Mac Jones was probably more favorably viewed prior to the draft. Look where he is right now. So I'm not shocked or appalled at the Panthers. I think the bigger story, and look, maybe this is a wildly different conversation had the Bears come away with the chocolates on the weekend against the Broncos and we're saying it's the Panthers or the Broncos and if it's the Panthers or the Broncos and the Broncos have lost to the Bears I think there's one clear and obvious worst team because of the talent in the roster I think for me the Bears are the worst team and I'm sorry again Keith but it's because we haven't seen the development in Justin Fields now look those three quarters on Sunday he looked brilliant Mm. is that a flash in the pan the the reason with the Bears and, and the Panthers may be the same boat, but they ha- they have a bit more time owing to kind of the rebuild and the new coach and the new new starting quarterback and the, the rookie quarterback at that. But the Bears, it seems 
to be as if it's an issue top down. So we discussed about the GM, we've discussed about the coach, we've discussed about Justin Fields. Recruitment has been poor. They haven't won a game since they signed Chase Claypool, um, who was a big signing last year. Yeah. Um, Awful. A, a mad signing, a confusing signing, but was, look, it was a headline grabbing signing. So I think for me, the Bears are probably the worst thing. They also let David Montgomery walk up out of that building and he is running amok in the division, which is never good. So, yeah, I think it it is the Bears for me. Cardinals, as we said, they're, they're plucky. They came up against the best roster in the NFL on the weekend. Mm. Um, but they've played everyone tight. They've had a shock win against the Cowboys. They arguably should have beaten the Giants. They arguably should have um, beaten the, the Commanders in week one as well. Exactly. Um, so they've been very unlucky. Like They could be sitting here as the the bogey side of the NFC East with just the Eagles to come. Um, but no, I'm... Uh, yeah, I think it's the best. Okay, um, I'm just going to disagree with one thing you said there, and that was just the expectations on Bryce Young. I think they were higher than Mac Jones. Um, um, but there, okay. the difference is there's a myriad of, of um, metrics out there uh, one I saw was Bryce Young. He ranks very low on the percentage of his throws to open receivers because his receivers haven't been getting open. But his accuracy on those throws is is far far above average. So there's plenty of metrics out there that support that he's not necessarily the problem. Now you might say that his size, um, you know, factors in and and is intrinsically a problem. But I think the O-line as well has been uh, just very unfavorable to him. I'm going to put another team in the mix here. Mm-hmm. And I actually didn't almost consider them until, well, until I, I couldn't ignore them. And that's the Giants. Um, yeah, Giants have been god-awful. Like, and, and again, this is <coughs> the bottom. And it's really flipped the script from last year. Like, Joe Shane, his drafts have not uh, aged very well. Thibodeau... You know, he came on late last year. He's done very little to nothing this year, except for the game just gone by, and that was in a uh, uh, obviously a desperate losing attempt. Um, Evan Neal, like top, uh, I think he was picked seventh last year, looks like a below replacement level uh, right tackle. De- Deontay Banks, their first round cornerback this year, has looked a bit spotty. Uh, they've added loads of wide receivers too and very little focus on the O-line. All of this is on Joe Shane, who a lot of people, you know, particularly Giants fans, were very high on. Uh, Dayball as well. I know he's operating with a, a lackluster talent-wise roster. But if you compare this year to last year, and, like, you have to blame, blame some of that on, on coaching. Like, it's... He, he even sort of uh, threw Daniel Jones... Under the bus, he was asked in the press conference after the game, you know, what did you want Daniel Jones to do on the play where he threw a, a pick six? And Dable answered, well, obviously not throw an interception. Um, so, look, they have the worst points differential in the league at minus 72. And in the last 14 regular season games for the Giants, kind of stretching back to the middle of last year, they're 4-9-1 and one with a minus 123 points differential. So it's, you know, they've obviously, they started off last year with that miracle start and they kind of fell into the playoffs, stumbled their way in and they just have had the, a nightmare start this year. Yeah, and I think the fact that they faced off against the Vikings in week one of the playoffs probably covered up how lucky the end of the season was, which is fair to say, but I still think the Bears are worse. If that's agreeable. Uh, yeah, it's a bad, a bad <laughs> a competition to be, you know, in the top two or three or four in. But yeah, Giants, Bears, Broncos, yeah. Panthers are certainly the front runners. I think. Raiders aren't a million miles. No, away they're either. not. They're not particularly with um I didn't actually catch Jimmy Garoppolo's. Injury, but he was out with concussion. Okay. And Aiden, o- Aiden O'Connell just 
won't throw the ball. Man will hold onto that thing for for as long as possible. Minus athletic ability of other quarterbacks. But look, the timer has gone. So look, the obviously the the, the we had the first um, London game of the weekend: the Jags versus the Falcons. The Falcons, and look, they'd impressed us across the first two weeks, but I think the last two weeks have shown us ugh, maybe things aren't what they seem. The Atlanta Falcons have invested a lot of draft capital in offensive skill positions in recent years. You look at Kyle Pitts, you look at B. John Robinson, um, and they've not been very effective so far this season. Is it time to make a change at quarterback, or can they turn it around with Desmond Ritter at the helm? So I suppose... There's a bit of clatter and chatter that they are exploring Carson Wentz as a potential free agent pickup. They also have Tyler Heineke in the building, someone who impressed me, especially during his time with the Commanders. I'm just wondering, is it time to move off of Desmond Ritter? Uh, yeah, it is. I uh, like The concerns were around his passing, and yeah, he got by week one and two. Um but the thing is, like they, they can't really get Drake London and Kyle Pitts involved if they wanted to. Like if you look at Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts's catchable targets, they're they're miles below any any other tight ends in the league. Um, so when you just you can't use the weapons you have because of the inability and ineptness of your your passing game. Like it's a passing league, um. Like accuracy was always um Ritter's biggest question mark. I think a lot of people were high on him, on because of his his leadership coming out of Cincinnati, um. But he really hasn't sort of developed into a a league <laughs> NFL viable starter. I don't think. I think get Taylor Heineke in. I don't like, so. Yeah, we've seen him. We've seen how scrappy Taylor Heineke is when he was on the, the Commanders. Um, he obviously gave the Eagles their first loss last year. He is certainly is scrappy. I think you get him in there, you'll see Drake London get catches. You'll see Kyle Pitts get catches. And if Bijan is operating in between those two getting patches... It, Catches, I should say. Um, I think you'll see the efficacy of all of those skill positions go up, up, and away. You also have a, yeah, you also have a bit of a tandem at running back position. It's like we focus on B. John Robinson well, but and his name escapes me. The other running back, Tyler Algier. Exactly. Um, so it's a tandem. That's a very explosive yeah, tandem. Yeah, look, I, I yeah, I think. It's more for a business decision too as well in that you've a lot of these high quality skill positions on rookie contracts and I think Kyle Pitts is the stranger for me because I know he probably hasn't delivered and um, maybe he hasn't been in a good spot but coming out of college this was a once in a generation tight end um, so they're going to have to make a decision on him very quickly and someone else could pick him up, take a punt and... They could see the generational talent they've let walk out the building, having not looked after him in his first three years. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I, the timer is just coming to an end there, but I yeah, I think we're in agreement. Move off, Ritter, and let's let the boys play. Um, my last point, and we'll, we'll, this will be a very brief discussion. It's kind of been topical the last week or two. The tush push, the brotherly shove. What do you think? I think everybody listening will guess that we think it should be allowed because we're Eagles fans and they're the only team that can do it. Um, But what do you think of it and what do you think you actually or will actually see? Do you think the league will ban it in the this year's off-season? I think they may ban it this year's off-season, but I don't think they have to. Um. So there's a number of teams have tried uh, and failed with the tush push or the, the brotherly shove as the definition is now going around. But I think it is a perfect combination of who we have at centre and who we have at quarterback as opposed to the actual pushing motion on the butt. Um, I don't think, I think I, I, you've got to assume that Kelsey hangs up his boots at season's end regardless of outcome. 
Um, yep, he's certainly slow to get up off after some of those uh, those plays. Yeah, um, I haven't still haven't had a chance to watch the documentary, but it is on Prime. Um, the, like the the idea of that documentary was they thought it was his last season, as did he. Um, obviously convinced having lost the quarter uh, Super Bowl with his brother to come back and try and match his brother before hanging up at least. Um, yeah, I I think it's 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 a combination of of the two blokes. Um, I I'm not a hundred percent convinced that at least ninety five percent of those attempts are converted without the push. Well, JJ I think JJ Watt agrees with you. He he thinks that regardless if they if they banned the operation of running backs, sort of pushing Jalen Hurts' caboose or his wagon. Um, he reckons they'd all still be converted as well, and I I think they would. You, you, most of the motion you see is is Hertz getting behind Kelsey and squeezing in between himself and or between Kelsey and Dickerson. I think like those two in particular, uh, like Dickerson is a mauler. Mm. I think those two and Hertz is the big reason. I and I think it's the fact that. They're not just breaking the plane. When they run that play, they oh, tend they to get it, yeah. go over by at least a yeah. yard. Um, a yard and a half to two yards sometimes. And we saw um, in week three versus the... Uh, yeah, I can't remember who they played in week three. Anyway, it'll come back to me. Um, but they, we saw them go try that... It was an undefeated team at the time. It was the books. We saw them. Um, it was attempted on third down. I think it was third and two, and I think on third down they got a yard yeah. and a half. So on fourth down they just run it again. Like it's it's and as you said, they're so far this year. The Giants, the Commanders, Chargers, Jaguars, Colts, and Patriots have all tried it and have all failed in various ways. Like the, the Commanders did attempt one sort of similar-ish play, um, but it was slightly different. Um, but there are six other teams who have tried it and failed, and the Eagles haven't failed yet, unless you want to count the the one in the week just gone by where they committed an offside uh, penalty there with Dickerson lining mm. up. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it should be allowed. Yeah, I, I, look, I think it's... Um, people are looking for a reason as to why it's so effective, and, and the reason is just the two guys... Basically, I know you've you touched on Dickerson, and, and Dickerson is 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 a key part. But I think if you yeah, yeah. take Hertz or you take Kelsey, I don't think it works. Um. So yeah, yeah. Look, uh, change all you want, NFL. It's it's not going to be in our our playbook next year. I don't feel anyway. Uh, well, not to the the level it is this season and last season. Um. But look, moving on. Final four tackle for the evening. Um, and look, it's it's not maybe something a long-term fan of the NFL could possibly have ever envisaged, but is Bill on the hot seat in New England? Yeah, that's a tough one. It's like... I like it all comes down to quarterback, and it's a position that's so, so very difficult to get right. Um... The only reason why I think Bill might be on the hot seat is because he's both head coach and effective general manager, <coughs> GM for the team. So he's responsible for a lot of the personnel choices and they haven't been up to par. Um, I think they have not. last um, year bringing in Matt Patricia as the OC was, if anybody else makes that decision, that's atrocious now bill bringing bill o'brien back was was a good decision but um i i just i can't fathom that decision last year um and we're just seeing like the biggest loss this week passed uh to the cowboys it's bill o'brien or bill belichick's biggest loss in his career so he certainly deserves to be maybe not on the hot seat because you know, I don't want to say he's he's earned eternal, you know, credibility. 
like you do have to put up or show up. No, right, but I, I, I do think there's a. I would always have held Bill Belichick in high regard as as a coach. But the more this continues, <laughs> the more it starts to become a case of he is nothing without Mr. Thomas Brady. Nothing. No, a um, strong statement. <laughs> and and it, it is it is a horrific thing to say, but evidence. This is where evidence speaks. Like, he was a great defensive coordinator with the Giants, but as a head coach, you would struggle to find it. And, and arguably, he was a great defensive coordinator, with Bill Parcells, who is held in high regards as one of the greatest coaches of all time. And he had Lawrence Taylor. So maybe maybe he's not even a great defensive coordinator. There is some serious, serious hot takes on the episode this evening. They're not hot takes. They're not hot takes. They are the regurgitation of kind of synopsis and wild takes I've seen on Twitter over the last few weeks. Um, from fellow armchair pundits, someone put up the tweeted without Brady, Bill Belichick doesn't even make five hundred. Mm. Yeah. Um. Which, look, I, I I think it's hard to argue. Um, I think yeah. Look, I think the reason for me is he kind of has become a bit of a monster in New England, as you've talked about. He is the GM. You flash back to the whole piece about when he wanted to move off Brady and he wanted to move forward with Garoppolo and Robert Kraft kind of got in the play and there was, a, there was a lot of heated motion there and I don't think he ever recouped the relationship with Brady. And I just think maybe he's a bit of a monster. Uh, so New England mightn't be... Mightn't be... Uh, I don't know what the word is, but... Might be well served to kind of move off amicably. Um, I think the if the only issue is uh, Bill Belichick probably wants that all time winning or most amount of games won currently held by Don Shula. Um, I don't think Bill can if he won out he couldn't get it this year. There's just not enough games to get there. I think he needs another about a twenty or thirty. So. Could be a stretch. I think, unfortunately, Bill's employed. Bill's not the employer. However, I do um, believe look, if yeah, he look, was I, let go, I do think there's a very strong chance he gets another head coaching job by a, a desperate. So, yeah. um, well, someone someone said their prediction was, and it's not a it's not a crazy take. Patriots move off Bill Belichick at some point this season, and he's picked up by the Chargers. And I can see that happening. Yep, um, I could see that happen. Yeah, I suppose just before we do finish up, uh, I read as well that uh, John Mara, who's owner of the Giants, was talking to Brian Dable. And, you know, I think Brian Dable was recounting, after, after the last season and the surprise, you know, positive record they had and playoff win, you know, he said he felt like um, Bono walking around New York City. But John Mara said that, um, yeah, but in this business, you can turn from Bono to Bozo very quickly. And I think that's a little bit of what we see with um, Bill Belichick. Obviously, fantastic, great success with Tom Thomas Brady. And it's, it is all well and good. It's some legacy he has. But are, are New, New England fans going to suffer just because... Yeah, I think I think they've suffered for a while too as well. Like I don't think it's this is just this season. I think it's 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 a while they've been kind of in the mire. Um But yeah, look I suppose we're, we're moving on to the week five previews. Quick rattle around the houses, but just quickly the flag teams on a bye, our first bye week, Seahawks, Browns, Bucks and Chargers. So the week five previews. Yeah, I think we'll um Maybe might have chatted a little bit too much about the tush push, so we might fly through some of these. Uh, first game, Thursday night football is the Bears 
traveling to Washington to face the Commanders. Commanders are six and a half point favorites. Um, got to take the Commanders here. I think the Sam Howell I thought looked very good in the the game against the Eagles, and that's not me trying to say oh the Eagles nearly lost, so naturally it was Sam Howell playing it up. I think no, he did look no. very very good. And um, very good. I think um, if Reed Blankenship didn't, I'm have, not against a shock upset here. Yeah, no, it's not out of the realms of possibilities. I was just going to say if Reed Blankenship's arm wasn't underneath Terry McLaurin's foot, I think the Commanders potentially go on to win that game. Um, so I, I got to take the Commanders here. I also feel if the Commanders had gone for two, I agree. I yeah, think they I would've. agree. They would have would have made the play. Uh, this is a, a feeling that way. Um, look, you would hope this game is a is a, is a doozy. Um, Bills obviously in flying form. The Jags have a slight advantage. Obviously, haven't been in London last week. They're staying in London to face off against the Bills half two Irish time on Sunday. Uh, Bills are obviously favourites, despite the uh, the travel commitments this week. But I expect this to play tight. Um, Jags are kind of used to playing in London and they're they're there for the week. So, yeah, look, I'm going to back the Bills, but I think we're looking at maybe a one-score game. Yeah. Well, the books, yeah, the books agree with you. It's five and a half points spread. Um, yeah, again, I think the Bills are, are um, the way to go here. Um I think they just compound sort of the groove they've been in the last couple of weeks. And I think the the Jaguars are just still chugging, trying to figure it out. Um, so, yeah, agreed. Uh, our next game is the Texans versus the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons are two-point favourites. It's probably recency bias, but just with the last two weeks of the Falcons, um, the struggles of Ritter... I think I'm going to take the Texans here. Now, if, if Heineke was starting this game, I would take the Falcons, but I just I can't trust Ritter at the moment, so I'm going to go with CJ. Fair. Um, I'm next game up. It's, it's obviously still in the early slate on Sunday. I'm not going to insult your intelligence by spending too long on this one. Uh, the 3-1 lines open up against the 0-4 Panthers. It's in Detroit. They've had an extra bit of rest, having played on Thursday night, uh, where they took over Lambeau. They're flying high right now. I look. I heavily expect them to put the Panthers to the sword here and do it fairly easily. Um, yeah, um, Lions. And look, if it was ten points plus, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, the point spread is nine points. Um, so yeah, yeah. you. I think you got to take the Lions here. Just. I think Aiden Hutchinson will have a nice night and some of that uh, pass yes. rush. Yep. Um, the next game are the, is the Titans traveling to Indianapolis to face the Colts. Colts are one-point favorite, so close game. Um, Going to side with the Colts here. If this was in Tennessee, I'd take Tennessee, but because it's so close, uh, we've seen Tennessee be poor on road games so far. Just going to take the Colts here. Fair. Um, next up, the Dolphins host the Giants. So obviously, mirror mirror records. Dolphins three and one. The Giants one and three. The Dolphins will be hurting after losing that divisional matchup, and I don't really see the line, the Giants living with them points wise. So I think this could get ugly. Um, is that Giants defense is, is porous enough? Um, and offensively. I don't think they're going to offer enough to trouble uh, the Dolphins and Dolphins, and do you know what they might tack on. I don't know what the spread is, but they might they might win us by twenty points, just given how explosive that offense is. If you had to guess the spread, 13. eleven, not bad, not bad now. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's impossible to take the Giants, and I probably won't consider taking the Giants until we see them string together at least two. Decent weeks, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's or unless they face off against the Panthers, yeah, it's 
I didn't expect this from Giants. I think we both expected regression, but this is otherworldly. Um, but yeah, go with the Dolphins here. Next game is the Saints at New England. Um, we have this again. We're still in the early slate here. The Patriots are one and a half point favorites. I think Derek Carr is going to start. He's clearly still playing with a an injured shoulder. Um, their offense just does not look... Well, it wasn't humming before, and it's certainly a bit more um, rugged, rustic-looking than than before. Yeah. Um, I'm going to... To me, it's the defenses here. Who do I think is going to disrupt who more? And I'm just going to go with the Saints here. Fair. Um, yeah, I tend to agree. Um next fixture I have is the Baltimore Ravens at the Steelers um, you would look at this and especially what we've discussed earlier in the episode you would think Ravens by a landslide but it's an AFC North game I think this plays quite tight um, the key one I think Kenny Pickett is is due to play actually um, Are you sure? I thought I saw Trubisky or is he um, out? being notched for the start there. He's picking in the air. He is. Sorry, he is out. Sorry, yeah. So it is going to be Trubisky. Uh, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens win, but it's an ugly game. Uh, just styles of playing that type of thing. Um, so yeah, look, Ravens. But if the spread isn't is more than three, I'm not comfortable with it. The spread is. More than three, it's three and a half. Maybe I'm comfortable three and a half. Uh, I saw some, if you're a Steelers fan, don't look this up, but if you look at Kenny Pickett's and Mason Rudolph's stats side by side, Kenny Pickett isn't exactly exactly blowing him away. It's, uh, I think... He doesn't, he doesn't have a dint in his forehead, though. It's true. It's true. Okay, the next game, I think... That I'm going to talk about is the um, Eagles traveling to LA to face the Rams. Uh, Eagles are four and a half point road favorites. Uh, I think the Eagles are good. I their their passing defense really scares me. I think Avante Maddox sort of tearing that peck is really sort of exposed them. They've got like no slot corner worth talking about. Um, particularly because we also saw. Darius Slay kind of suffered a stinger there in the last week, um, so a little bit worried. Uh, I do think the Eagles will win. Cooper Cup might also be back. I think he's due back to practice. Um, but I think, I think the Eagles, the pass rush was a little bit non-existent, not non-existent, but they they couldn't convert their pressures into sacks versus um, Sam Howell like the Buffalo Bills could. But I think with a less mobile quarterback, the, some of those pressures will turn into sacks and the D-line will have more of an impact here. I think the Eagles will win. But I would be not surprised if they lost to this plucky Stafford um, no. Nakua. No, the, the... the Yeah, look, and look, the, the statistic that was drawn up, and it is fascinating. Um, so Pukanuka has the most receptions I think through four weeks of an NFL season um, second is Cooper Cup and third is Calvin Johnson all have been under Matt Stafford so the concept of facing off against potentially Cooper Cup and Pukanuka because uh, Stafford is slinging this year and our secondary I'm not surprised if it's a shock upset obviously we'll be biased and go to Eagles cause, but just because we haven't been convincing I'm not surprised if it's however upset. I think a lot of people are a bit down um, on the Eagles offence but I'll very briefly rattle off some some stats from Jalen Hurts. Just looking at four games last year to through the four games of this year. So last year, 1,120 passing yards. This year, 960. So, okay, a little bit off there. Uh, last year, four throwing touchdowns. This year, five throwing touchdowns. Last year, two interceptions. This year, three. Um, 66.7% completion last year. 67.7% this year. Um. 200 
and five rushing yards last year, 134 rushing yards. Um, so it's, but it's also the defenses last year. He's faced the 30, 30th, 31st, 4th, and 28th defense last or this year. He's facing the 10th, 21st, 19th, and 20th. So he's facing better defenses this year. So the stats are justifiably down a little bit. But um, I think it's a little bit of a mirage that people are saying, you know, the Eagles aren't a good 4-0 team. Um, I think certainly with, I think that the, possibly if the Eagles had a good secondary, you know, they'd be in the same territory as the 49ers. But they're certainly not because, well, their, their past defense is just playing a lot of soft coverages, particularly frustratingly so against that uh, the commanders last week. Sorry to sorry to harp on there. Um, yeah, it's becoming sound like an episode of Birds with Friends. Um, yeah, next up, e Bengals against the Cardinals. For me, this is an interesting game. The Bengals have kind of put themselves in the hole where they have to play Joe Burrow, especially in his Arizona is quite a, a plucky team. It's two one and three teams. I'm not shocked if Arizona wins this. If Arizona wins this. The Bengals have to rest Joe Burrow because the season is up effectively. Um, I would, I would back the Bengals because I believe Joe Burrow can't be a million miles away from full fitness if they keep playing him. Um, obviously they're elongating that return by playing him, but I, I, there's something in the back of my head says he has to get right soon. Um, so I'm backing the Bengals on that, but that's not a, a severely educated take. Take that's more a gut feeling. Uh, I'll take the Cardinals just because they've looked better thus far. Um, and that's purely yeah. on Jober. I think the Bengals have really mismanaged this. It's almost difficult them for them to rest um, Joe Burrow now because they need to win the next two games before the bye. Because after the bye, mm. they're playing, um, I think, the Chiefs and the Bills or two strong teams. So if they lose the next two games because they've benched Joe Burrow, they're not mathematically eliminated but they they will have essentially doomed their season They're so they need to try and ride through these next two weeks with Joe Burrow even though that further risks them to re-aggravating that hamstring um, the next game is the Jets visiting the Broncos again two uh, bottom dwelling teams although Zach Wilson had a lovely game um, versus the Chiefs outplayed Patrick Mahomes I thought um, but of course, someone someone put up a tweet this morning that was uh, all the Swifties who've now watched their first NFL game believe Zach Wilson is better than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I again, I you can't look at one week in a vacuum and you know assume that's the standard. So, but then again, they're playing the Broncos. I'm going to take the Jets. Here, even though they're uh, road underdogs. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. I haven't seen enough uh, to convince me on the Broncos just yet. Um, next fixture I have Kansas City Chiefs against the Minnesota Vikings in uh, Minneapolis. You got to back the Chiefs. I know it's a road uh, game, but. The Vikings haven't been too promising this year. It was the Vikings of last year. I'd nearly back the Vikings for an upset, but now I'm backing the Chiefs in this one. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chiefs are five point favorites. It's very difficult to bet against them. Um, but yeah, not sure about Kevin O'Connell as a head coach. So I'm gonna gonna stick with the the Chiefs here. Uh, next game, which is Sunday night football, is the Cowboys at the 49ers. The game we alluded to earlier on. 49ers are three and a half point um, favourites. It's a tough one to call. Well, it would be had the, the Cowboys not been upset by the Cardinals. I think you have to go with the, the 49ers here who have shown no weakness um, over the Cowboys who are prone to those week you know every so often every other week sort of collapses so going to go with that for the nice here my deciding factor in this is if the Cowboys play their game of the year 
and the 49ers play their game of the year, who wins? It's the yeah. 49ers. Yeah. So for me, it's the 49ers in this one. It's, it's as, a, as, a neutral, uh, as a neutral, as a neutral fan, obviously, who are you? Who are you up for in this? Do you do you want to hand an NFC rival? Niners. You're up for the 49ers. Yeah. Niners, obviously. Yeah. Um, an Eagles yeah. fan. I, I would never share for the Cowboys over anyone. Okay. Yeah, no, agreed. Even though they are if, probably the biggest Eagles competitor in the NFC, you still got to root against those Cowboys. I desperately want that repeat NFC East champion trend to break so we don't have to hear it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and finally, I suppose, Monday Night Football... An interesting one, uh, it's the Raiders against the Packers. Uh, look, last Thursday aside, and I, he wasn't awful, but I've been very impressed with Jordan Love. I've not been impressed by the Raiders. I think Jimmy G will be back, simply down to the fact that it's a Yeah, probably likely if it's... be out and yeah, go for yeah. protocol. I still, don't, I still don't have much faith in either Jimmy or Las Vegas, so I'll be back in Green Bay in this one. Yeah, same. Um, just don't don't see any way you can be confident in Las Vegas over Green Bay. Um, the only thing I will say for Vegas is they recently opened the MSG Sphere in Las Vegas where Bono and you 2 have a residency. Have you seen any footage from the inside? It looks fantastic. It yeah, looks unreal. Yeah, I've, I've, it's, I've, I've seen a lot of the footage of the MS Sphere um, in the lead-up, obviously, to U2 at the weekend. Um, Vegas is fast becoming the sports capital. Obviously, the Formula 1 due in. Um, they've already had it, maybe. Um, they obviously now have an NFL team. They are hosting the first round of the NRL, which is the Australian Rugby League, next year in March. Uh, two games. And I think they will likely... Get an NBA franchise. That's my sporting pick for the next five years. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, it's not a good place um, for NFL talent. Uh, we've obviously seen the channel, Jones. Yes, Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, just uh, thoughts and to to him. Yeah, um, but it, it hasn't been a happy landing spot. I don't think. Um, for the roster, um, hopefully that turns around because you, you'd like Vegas to be a, a destination for good NFL football. Um, be a nice addition for the traveling fan. But yeah, that concludes the week five previews. Can't believe we're true. We're we're into the fifth week already. Yeah, I know. It's uh, scary. Sound old saying that now. But. Uh, yeah, look, that's that's all from me. I've got a few more eagle stats I could could roll off. Now I'm only messing. I'm only messing. That's <laughs> all from me. Thank you and good night.